Welcome back. We're on a hunt for the real unicorns, the companies which are impacting a billion people positively. We profile some of the world's biggest impact investors and the visionary founders that are making a difference in our world. Listeners will have the option to vote or invest in their favorite ventures and get behind their missions as we share the struggles, the passions, and the challenges they overcome. Join Cassandra for this episode as she talks with the founder of Dragonfly Hyperscooter and CEO of DFly Group, Jez Williman. Dragonfly, makers of micro-electric vehicles, are an early-stage startup ready to scale, making headlines due to being the safest and most fun-to-ride product. Style, engineering, technology, and functionality, making them the most sought-after electric scooters for individuals and businesses. Dragonfly is part of the solution to assist governments around the world to achieve net zero targets of cleaner cities and lower congestion. A very big thank you to Jez, the founder of DFly Group, makers of the Dragonfly Hyperscooter. This is probably one of the most beautiful hyperscooters I've ever laid my eyes on. And not only am I saving thousands of pounds by traveling on one of these versus a black cab in London, but I'm also keeping my city greener and cleaner. How are you today, Jess? Hey, Cassandra. Yeah, great to be with you. Thanks very much for letting me on your show. So let's dive straight in. GQ has called Dragonfly the supercar of electric scooters. Talk to us a little bit about the form factor. I know that this product obviously has four wheels, but what else makes this so different? So the two-wheel scooters, it was more fall than cool. And I wanted to create a product that people were excited about in the way that it looked and felt good about it. If I was going to get people out of their cars for their short journeys, they had to be riding something that they felt good about. They had to be able to ride it and feel safe. And I wanted them to ride it and have this ear-to-ear smile. And so I wanted to take all of the feelings that you get from adrenaline sports and the safety of cars and miniaturize them into the vehicle so that all of your short journeys are just fun and you cannot wait to have another short journey opportunity to then go and ride Dragonfly. Equally, in the city, you know, spaces often at a premium. So I wanted a product that stood vertically. And when it was stood vertically and against the wall in your living room or, you know, whatever space you have, it actually looked cool. It looked more like a a piece of futuristic sculpture stood there. And for the engineering folks, you know, something that has a ground up and groundbreaking engineering thoroughbred element to it with, you know, aerospace technologies, carbon fiber, you know, that sort of supercar elements to its core and and that sort of thought process that's gone into all of that design. For those who want to, you know, that speeds are available, but it's a bit like if you bought a Lamborghini, it will go at probably 400 kilometers an hour, but there's almost nowhere on earth apart from a track where you could do that. And that's the same approach I take here is that you know, around the city, I don't think people are going to be traveling at excessive speeds. It's about the fun, the form factor, and the practicality of the vehicle. So what kind of consumer feedback have you got so far? I can remember one of the most exciting things for me in the early stages was one of the original prototypes. And it was almost like a, you know, Frankenstein version of the product today. We were doing some testing 
And we were in the park and the grass had been left a little bit longer than normal. It's probably due to be cut. And we were going off road through the park just to verify things like wheel sizes and suspension needs and so on as for going off road. And during that process, I was conscious as I was riding that there were some people following me. And then I, I turned around at one point and realized that we had about 25 people literally running after me through the park. And I stopped and I thought, goodness, what's happening? And they all crowded around me and said, oh my gosh, what's that? What's that? And I said, well, it's going to be called Dragonfly and it's the next generation of four-wheel scooter. And they said, oh my God, that's amazing. It looks like you're floating. And the thing was, I hadn't realized was that they actually couldn't see that I was on a platform. I was on this deck and these four wheels. It looked like I was you know, hovering in something from Star Wars. And that was what had sort of created the excitement of this sort of illusion that I was floating. But, you know, throughout the development and getting particularly young people involved and getting them to try the product and test the product and watching their enjoyment and their excitement, I think that's been interesting. You know, these these young people that have less of a desire for a car, but they want to have something that's exciting. They want to get about around their city and they want to do it in a fun way. And many of the people that are doing testing have already got, you know, high-powered two-wheel scooters. And when they've tested Dragonline, I've said to them, you know, what was it about this product that you found fun and interesting and exciting? And they said, oh, we just look so cool riding it. And I hadn't sort of expected that visceral reaction from these young people. You mentioned to me that you wanted your consumers to build their own scooters the way they wanted Your aim was to transform commutes into customizable experiences. Tell us how you've managed to achieve this. Yeah, I think one of the things that we've focused on within the design and and development is a vehicle that owners can evolve for whatever their use case is. So if they live near the beach, they might have a certain type of tire. If they live in snow or icy conditions, they might want to change the tires and wheels for that environment. They might want four-wheel drive, they might want two-wheel drive, they might want smaller wheels, larger wheels, slick tires for the city, but at the weekend, they're going into the woods and want to go off-road, so they want to put some all-terrain tires. You want to make it very much a vehicle that the owner can very easily, you know, one tool, 10 minutes type of approach, could update and change, personalize what works for them in their activities, be it during the week and at the weekend. So let's talk about how this venture is impacting humanity positively. Lots of people sort of see scooters as low carbon emission vehicles. Riders tend to hop on and they sort of think, okay, well, you know, this is an electric scooter. It must be carbon free. But what they aren't seeing are all of the emissions that are produced by the supply chain. So you know, whether it's the manufacturing, the transportation of the product, the maintenance, the upkeep, et cetera, et cetera. How is Dragonfly trying to make a difference in this space? Well, actually, if you've got a Dragonfly, you're going to have something that's super safe, super cool, very practical. You switch out your short journeys, which are often, you know, 60 to 70% of most people's journeys, less than five kilometers, you're going to reduce your carbon footprint by a third overnight. And if you could do that in a family of four, perhaps, you know, parents, older children who are driving to work, you know, that's that's a significant amount of carbon. People forget they, they plant a tree. It could take 100 years 
for that tree to use one ton of carbon. Whereas currently in Europe, most adults create about 13 tons of carbon per year. We could cut that by a third almost overnight. That's significant. And that's what I'm advocating and challenging almost people to do and say, look, you know, let's band together, let's join this and make a change and do something that politicians are not forcing us to do. We're driving it, you know, and get the politicians to jump on board and embrace these types of vehicles as a significant part of the future. Talk to our listeners about how you are gamifying the user's riding experience in order to keep our cities greener and cleaner. So what we're trying to do is encourage people to obviously use the vehicle as much as possible. And we want to create a kind of gamification, if that's the right word, as part of the use case and create competition in cities around the world and even countries to encourage people to use the vehicle. And by using the vehicle, you create more green miles green kilometers, and Mm. those miles that you personally accumulate can be used within a point system and a running competition for prizes. Even we get sponsors to award prizes to people who are winning the league table in in a particular city, and that might be, you know, free coffees. It might be, you know, reduced entrance fees to places. Mm. You know, there's all sorts of ways of incentivizing people to use their vehicle and make a change in their life and have a sort of fun experience at the same time. Clearly, we don't want people to be almost playing the game, you know, live, but it would be something that they could, once they get back to their living room or office, they could, you know, see where they are on the leaderboard if they so desire. I think those sorts of things are important. I think it gets more people involved and activated to feel as though they're doing something good. A bit like, you know, when people buy Fitbits to monitor their steps, I'm encouraging people to create more green miles within their short journeys and being able to then share that within their circle. Maybe they share it on social media. Maybe they, you know, show to other people how how this is important. Okay, Jez, so what's the damage? How much can our listeners bag a dragonfly for? So very originally, we focused on creating this all singing, all dancing product. But as the years have gone by, we've researched and spent (laughs) hundreds of hours trying to create a product which has got a range of pricing, which starts at the £1,800 mark. We're planning to introduce a product towards the end of this year that can start at the £1,500 mark and goes up to about £3,500 for all the bells and the whistles and, and everything else. So there's a product for everybody, but no matter what the product you start with, you can sort of upgrade and add to it to create the all singing or dancing product as you wish to. Last but not least, what stage are you at with your fundraising? So, you know, as always with any startup, these things are challenging. You know, it's been a challenging two-year period with COVID, not being able to meet people, show people, demonstrate to people. And of course, we haven't been able to or wanted to stop that process. So now we're a product that is ready to go. In fact, we're literally just at that inflection point of pressing the button on manufacturing orders for mass production. We've just got our regulatory testing to go through, and then the mass production will start shipping orders to customers. So now fundraising has sort of gone beyond that, what you, I guess, traditionally called a seed process. And we're in that last phase of funding partners 
really to fund the larger quantity of production before we would then go to Series A for more globalization next year. So the round that we're looking to close is a $2 million round, which is predominantly for manufacturing, for product. Well, thank you so much, Jez, for joining us today. It was a great pleasure to interview you. I really am honored to be on this journey with you and I cannot wait to test drive the Dragonfly. All the best and I'll speak to you soon. All the best. Bye. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and visit our website to tune in to many more founder and investor stories. Head there to back your favorite ventures which are changing the world with their business models to make a difference. Listeners are encouraged to vote and invest now.